0: Welcome to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the 8 Moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. And who are you? (laughs) Good question, Brendan. I'm Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I'm also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. And if we have lost sense of who we are, it's because we just got out of a legislative session of the House of Deputies, and um, you can kind of lose yourself in there. You
0: can. It's like an Eminem song in there.
1: Right, right. So, um, anyway, Holly, I move that we begin this uh, begin this show.
0: I call the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is in order. Hashtag parliamentary procedure. Yeah.
0: Today's show is an interview that I did earlier with Andy Lee.
1: And you may remember Andy's name because they were a guest on our show back in October, if I remember right.
0: Your guest is just as good as mine.
1: Right. So uh, the interview that you did, Holly, was really focused around uh, some issues about uh, inclusivity in liturgy, right?
0: Correct. We talked a lot about uh, their experience of gender binary language in liturgical context and how that has impacted their sense of spirituality and and involvement in the church.
1: Yeah, and so... I'm going to guess that for many of our listeners, as you're hearing this interview, you're actually going to hear a take uh, on liturgy, even inclusive language liturgy, uh, that you may not have heard before. Uh, and this comes from the perspective of uh, somebody who uh, identifies uh, as on the trans spectrum. Is that fair to say?
0: That is fair to say. Uh, Andy and I actually talked quite a bit about this in the interview, but, but I think it's fair to say that, that the trans spectrum is correct.
1: And uh, as we were talking about this, it called to mind a moment that I remember from the 2012 General Convention. And I was on the floor just hanging out at the integrity booth. And Bishop Gene Robinson stopped by to talk about some of the pending legislation on trans issues at that convention. And one of the things that he said was uh, that trans identity is a source of confusion uh, for a lot of Christians. And that one of the things that it's incumbent on us to do uh, is to listen. Um, and I'm going to guess that for many of our listeners, some of the issues that uh, Andy is going to bring up are unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and you may not like them at all. Uh, but I'd remind you of what Bishop Robinson has said to us and that our call uh, is to listen respectfully, um, even if it turns out we may end up disagreeing. Um, but the, uh, we need to, to hear each other's perspectives.
0: Absolutely. I, I certainly was in the boat of being surprised and a little confused at first when andy and i started speaking but as the conversation went on i i I came to really respect and value their point of view on this issue that i'd quite frankly never even thought about and and i think when you listen to the interview you'll hear me uh coming to a to a sense of realization about midway through the interview
1: yeah so um Anyway, as important as this conversation may be, I think our listeners probably don't want us to talk about the interview anymore. Maybe they just want to hear it? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) All right. Well, here we go.
2: My name is Andy. It's short for Andrew, Amanda, Lee Bullard. I'm out of the Diocese of Western Massachusetts, and I'm an intern with the Episcopal Service Corps, Lawrence House Service Corps program.
0: Perfect. So um, we are going to talk today a little bit about inclusive language in liturgy and you know andy I, I had honestly never considered it and and that's probably something that i um, i should have considered before until you and i uh, met on twitter and started mm-hmm. having conversations and and now it's like all i can see in in the liturgy is is uh, things like male and female and and um, so tell me a little bit about your, um, your journey and where it started um, impacting you uh, with, when you started noticing that type of language in liturgy.
2: Well, I started noticing it in general a few years ago when I first started coming out and presenting as non-binary, but I didn't notice it in liturgy until this Easter. I went to an Easter vigil at a neighboring church, and during the uh, service, they read the St. Chrysostom's Paschal Homily, and at that moment, the invitation, come at the sixth hour, you who come at the ninth hour, you who come at the eleventh hour, was very freeing for me. I'd encountered a lot of resistance to using my pronouns and feeling comfortable in the Episcopal Church, and so to have that invitation laid out, I opened my... Myself spiritually in a way I hadn't before and then we get to the Eucharistic prayer and in Eucharistic prayer B which is the one they were using there is a phrase that says the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters and a knife in my back would have been less painful it was at that moment that precise moment I opened myself up to celebrate the resurrection fully that I felt disinherited that it was like my entire existence was being wiped out of the church
0: And just for those folks who don't know you um, or haven't met you, would you say a little bit about your pronoun choice and, and, um, and how that has impacted you?
2: Sure. I use the pronouns they, them, theirs. It's because the pronoun they has been used as a gender-neutral singular pronoun since the 14th century, mm-hmm. knowing that there's a bunch of lingu- linguists listening in on this. <laughs> at least two. <laughs> at least two. <laughs> does that qualify as a bunch? in my world it <might, Robin>, does. <laughs> um, I, I came to use this pronoun because I identify as bigender. That is, I am fully male and fully female, and I actually understand that in the language of the Incarnation. Mm-hmm. I believe that the God that made Jesus fully human and fully divine at the same time, we can't say Jesus was 50% this and 50% that in any given time. Jesus was just always God and human at the same moment. And I figure a God that can do that with divinity and humanity is pretty capable of doing that with gender.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so um, is that, I, I assume, mm-hmm. hopefully this is correct, that that would be considered. Um, That's not transgender or is it transgender?
2: It is transgender because transgender doesn't always operate from a, you know, male to female or female to male. First off there are people who are born intersex who have physical characteristics of both from the beginning. Transgender simply means somebody who transitions to a gender other than the one they were assigned at birth. Sure. So I actually I'm transgender in two ways. I transitioned from female to male Mm -hmm. and then from male to bigender as I gained a better understanding of how God had made me.
0: That makes total sense. That makes total sense to me. And uh, thank you for explaining that. So anyway, back to the liturgy. Mm-hmm. So uh, you noticed the, the wording, um, and how did that impact your spiritual journey at that point?
2: It tore me to pieces. I remember I was sitting at the 8 a.m. service, so we're using right once a totally different language, mm-hmm. the next Easter Sunday, and I can't stop crying. I'm wondering, should I even take communion in this state, knowing that I have been so fully rejected by this church? Mm-hmm in the end i chose to stay but it was a very near thing mm-hmm. and that's hard because the church right now is my entire life
0: right right. i mean you're you're uh a, 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 what's the word i'm looking for you you're part of the service mm-hmm. uh service project uh with what's the name of the place that you stay again i'm sorry
2: I, I live at lawrence house yes, which is part of the episcopal service Corps network
0: yes okay perfect general convention has my brain all twisted in nice. knots.
2: <laughs> Is there anybody whose brain isn't not Addy at this point <laughs> in many senses of the word?
0: <laughs> I don't think so. Not not in this building anyway. Anyway, so this was a, the beginning of, of a journey for you in, in taking a look at inclusive mm-hmm. language, and in, in what happened next?
2: Well, I kind of... I. I processed the emotions a little bit I kind of like tucked it in a back corner of the closet because, l- with all the things you don't want to look at mm-hmm. but then at my home parish Eucharistic prayer bee came up on Pentecost because they changed the Eucharistic prayers with the seasons and sure. there was a baptism and I'm like so I'm watching these two twins who are absolutely adorable get baptized and it's a great service and then we hit that prayer and it's like I don't belong I don't fit mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have a very good relationship with our rector, who happens to also be the director of the service corps program, right. and so I reached out to her and said, look, this, this, you, you've been, done a great job of changing the language in your sermons, of being more attentive to the announcements this is the prayer book, and I know that it takes, you know, it would be a decades-long process to get the prayer book changed from one person starting to run around convention saying, we should fix the prayer book! <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but is there something we can do? Mm-hmm. And we talked for a good three hours about the nature of, you know, what I was reading into things, and what was the prayer book was saying, and what the situation was, and then we remembered that there's a prayer that many people change, Eucharistic Prayer C, mm-hmm. which focuses on the patriarchs, and there are a lot of priests that I've heard that include matriarchs because we understand that our heritage isn't just limited to the men right right <laughs> and from that place it's like well it's being done it has been done let's get permission and go ahead and do this
0: okay so so your uh, rector then went forward to get permission from the bishop mm-hmm. correct okay and and was granted that i suppose yes so <laughs> were, were there any Hangups with that that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so tell me what it got changed to.
2: We changed everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters to the everlasting heritage of your descendants. hmm it keeps the same meaning it's you know two less words right and that first Sunday she used it I was I was a nervous wreck I'm serving at the altar so Uh I'm like okay if this goes wrong what am I going to do I can't just run out in an owl because it'll look (laughs) weird right yeah you know and what if she forgets and how will I feel and then she said it and she said it with descendants and it was this moment of you belong here. Mm-hmm. I struggle so much because of my gender and the words of this world that to believe that I could be a child of God mm-hmm. because I've heard that I'm not so often. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I knew. After communion was finished and we were preparing for the next part of the liturgy, I'm sitting in the, in the little choir stall and I'm just crying because it was that moment I knew that all of this pain and all of this hurt and all that I've been going through has been and is being redeemed.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's such a... a a really powerful story of how language can shape our experience of God Mm -hmm. Um, have there been other places in the liturgy that, that now that you've seen that other things that bother you that you want to focus on
2: there's some of the colics that use men and women but since they're in the daily office and I'm usually doing that on my own I, I haven't penciled it into my prayer book right. I just mentally <laughs> didn't fix it but it, Eucharistic Prayer became came up the opening Eucharistic General Convention used okay. it and it tore me apart yeah. because here we are at this big gathering we're focusing on prophetic voices right? and I'm not included in this Mm -hmm. and so I actually took a piece of I had a piece of notebook paper and a pen and I used a Caribbean or clip to make a sign that said I am not a son or a daughter but I am a child of God Mm -hmm. beloved, redeemed and part of this everlasting heritage good for you I put it on, and then somebody came up to me and said, I don't feel this is appropriate, and then actually tried to physically take it off of me. Oh. I had to grab this person's hand to stop them. Mm-hmm. And so while I've seen that redemption at the local level, I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of work to be done at, at scales like this. Of We need to start the conversation of, we say we want to be the church that welcomes all of God's children. Mm-hmm. Who are we not including in those conversations right now?
0: Right, right. That's so, uh, That's so true. And it's such a, you know, one of the things that I personally noticed uh, from the beginning when I joined the Episcopal Churches is that um, the rector of the church that I was attending at the mm-hmm. very beginning was um, switching, whenever there was a place in the liturgy where they would refer to God as a he, mm-hmm. um, the rector would just simply say God instead, mm-hmm. so uh blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord is another example Mm -hmm. of a a very common Mm -hmm. change in liturgy that really impacted me um, because I had never been to a church before that didn't just automatically assume that God was a man Mm -hmm. Um, and in just that tiny little switch God pours out God's blessing instead Mm -hmm. of God pours out his blessing it changed my entire conception of of faith Mm -hmm. and um, and this is, I think, probably the next logical step in in really examining the words that we use mm-hmm. uh, without dulling the meaning somehow. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and I don't think inclusive language dulls the meaning. I would say it brightens it. It uh-uh. refines it. It brings out, you know, we, we have been given this gospel of life that we have been called to proclaim to all of the world. And then we've mixed it with our cultural assumptions, with the limits of our, with, with, you know, our heritage that makes it so that that is a gospel of life and death. Right. I am... I will freely admit I'm not supposed to talk about this because we don't talk mental health stuff in the church. Mm-hmm. But I am a young trans person that struggles with suicidal ideation on a regular basis mm-hmm. because of the con- not because I'm mentally defective, but because I constantly hear I shouldn't exist. I will have to work twice as hard to exist, if not more. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm in this place with the church where it is the one, one of the few things that keeps me alive mm-hmm. because I have linked I have died in Christ in baptism, and so I've already died. So I don't get to kill myself again. No, right. no matter how frustrating the work of being a Christian. is <laughs> is uh-huh. but at the same time the place where I go to live into that promise the church is also the same place I'm more likely to encounter binary language dismissive assumptions be told that you know church work isn't where I'm going to be able to get a job because the church will take so long to evolve on this Uh huh. and so we need to we need to be mindful of are we talking life or are we talking death
0: tell me a little more about about what the next steps might be for you as far as uh, uh fighting the battle of of language or um what what else are you focusing on I know you're here doing some work with Episcopal Peace Fellowship and um, so tell me a little bit more about that
2: Well, there's a couple of things I've been working on. The first is, as I've been testifying in resolutions that I'm in favor of, Mm -hmm. I've been pointing out the trans aspect to those resolutions. Like, there was one on the Boy Scouts and getting, you know, trying to promote that they should be aware of, you know, not just sexual orientation, but gender identity. Mm -hmm. The Girl Scouts have been welcoming trans girls for quite a while now. And so I mentioned that we need, there's a lot of trans masculine boys that could benefit from the services that Boy Boy Scouts offer. Mm -hmm. And so we as a church, having a firm gender identity as well, need to include that as part of it. Absolutely. My other big fight, which has created a whole bunch of chaos around here (laughs) lately, is bathrooms. Uh Um, Because of my presentation, I'm not welcome in men's rooms and women's rooms. Uh I've gotten yelled at for being in both, sometimes by armed security. (laughs) And, <laughs> yeah, and then there are unisex restrooms at this general convention, but they're labeled with binary signage, mm-hmm. and I've also encountered barriers to using them because of people who have disabilities or have caretakers or who have kids and that need to be with them in the restroom mm-hmm. tend to look at me as an able-bodied young person without a family, like, why are you in this space? Mm-hmm. And so really there isn't a place I can go to the bathroom here without having to deal with all of the baggage that brings.
0: Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, well... I for one am really glad you're here and um and I'm really grateful to you for being open and telling your story because that's the only way that things get changed. Mm-hmm. Uh when people can sit next to a, to other people and recognize them as people um rather than uh talking heads or, or uh you know bullet points. <laughs> that's the only way things get done. Mm-hmm. So uh I am just really really grateful to you. I I've loved getting to know you on Twitter and um, having you on the show before, and um, so thanks.
2: And thank you. I, the Call It Call is by far my favorite podcast. It, it, well, it, take that to your <laughs> well, that, that probably could be taken for granted, but <laughs> through working with you and Brendan on Twitter and through the Axate moment, I've really learned that I can have a voice in where this church is going. That's that nice. even without, you know, I haven't, I don't have an MDiv, I haven't practiced all these theology, I don't know what half of the legislative <laughs> processes that are going on here involve, yeah. but here. that I can still come and tell my story. And that was yeah. something that you helped teach me. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been another fascinating episode of The Call It Call. Uh, Thank you again, Andy, for being with us today. And um, Andy's going to be with us as well on Sunday at our live show. So if you're here in town, uh, please join us for that at 7 Mm p.m. And um, until then, we will talk to you soon.
1: Bye. Bye. One last thing before we go. Our outgoing music on this episode is from this morning's worship service at General Convention. Immediately before the service started, the Supreme Court announced its ruling on same-sex marriage and the assemblage, well, they spontaneously erupted in song. So please enjoy this, the energy of the moment was spectacular, and while this is a shadow of what was actually happening, at least you'll get a sense. We'll see you next time. Good night.
0: Whatever language is closest to your heart,